to be stirred up. We are stirred. We're not shaken. We're stirred. They can shake. They can shake. They can shake. But it's not going to shake us. It will keep us stirred. Amen? So some of you are looking at me real funny, but it's time to go to work. Is anybody ready to go to work? It's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. Let's get to work. Man, I'm still so stirred up. I can't... I, I just, it's all over me. It's all over me. And I'm trying not to be... I'm angry at the devil. I'm angry at some of the... But man, it is time to be stirred and it's time to go to work. Amen? Amen. 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 Jesus is building His church, y'all. Jesus is building His church. There's some shaking going on and the real church is going to stand. The fake church is going to fall. And we are going to be part of the real church. I'm going to do everything that I can do. You're going to do everything that you can do to make sure that everyone that we love, everyone that God has put in our atmosphere is part of the real church, part of the building that Jesus is building. Amen? Amen. We're going to start in Matthew 16, verse 17. First, I'm going to set it up for you just a little bit. You guys know Jesus approaches and He says to His closest disciples, Who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? Well, they said, well, some says John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the old prophets, one of the prophets of old. Well, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter, always wanting to be, always the bold one, always the brash one. Peter spoke up. Well, I say you're Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Ah, uh, we know that. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it. And then I noticed something in here real quick, my brothers and sisters. It says, I say to you, on this rock, I will build my church. What am I getting suited up for? He's building. He's building his church. Jesus is building the church. He's building the church. We have a part in it, but He's the one that's building. Why am I getting so worked up? Jesus is building His church. Father, You know how messed up I was. And I don't mean before I came to You. I mean just a little while ago. (laughs) Father, You know how torn so many notes, so many things, so many directions, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would absolutely, positively speak to and through your servants. Father, that we may know what it is that you've called us to do. Father, that we may gain something here. We may gain some some revelation, Father. Something fresh out of something even that we've read so many times. Father, I pray that you would give us something fresh. That you would give us grace that you would impart grace to these hearers. Father, that even those who are listening over the internet, even those who may be listening right now, uh, Father, that far away or near, Father, please give grace to the hearers that we may be built up and be able to be those things, do those things that you've called us to do. Father, to do those things that you purposed before the foundations of the earth. Father, you knew us. You knew this time would come and you called us, Father, for such a time as this. So, Father, in Jesus' name, strengthen us by your word this morning. Amen and amen. Uh, Let's see how quick. (laughs) Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, he says that he's going to build this church. 
But look at what he says, and I know I'm going to repeat some of these things because we have a lot of people listening, and I'm not sure where everybody is. And we know that uh, some people... uh, uh, some people believe that when he addresses Peter like this and he says, um, you are you know, Peter, the rock, Cephas. He's using a Greek word there and it means a fragment of the rock. And then he says, and upon this rock. When he uses that, when Jesus says, Jesus didn't say, and upon you I will build a church. He says, and upon this rock. He used a totally different word. Now he's talking about a, 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 an immovable rock. Now he's talking about something totally different. So, to all my friends and to all, maybe you don't know me, I don't, I'm not trying to uh, totally you know, eliminate you know, all your belief system and blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. So my brothers and sisters, Jesus is not saying upon Peter he's going to build his church. He's saying something totally different. He's saying upon this immovable rock, upon this mass, upon this thing, that's what he's going to build his church. And Peter, and I want to address in Peter, Peter even says something to us that he knows, Peter knows what Jesus means. In 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, verse 4, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture. Here you go. What did they preach? They preached Scripture, Old Testament, just as real and relevant then as it was when the prophets of the Old Testament spoke it, and just as real and relevant as it is today. Amen? Hallelujah. So he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect Precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. We know the prophet Isaiah was speaking the prophecy of the Messiah to come. He was speaking about Jesus, amen? And we know this, this has been in our past just recently. He actually, Peter, is actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 28. We've been there within the last few weeks. Here's what he said, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and attested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. We can be stirred, but we better not be shaken because all of those things that shake are going to be removed. Hallelujah. All of those things that don't shake will stand. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So look at so Peter. Peter knew what he was saying. Peter knew that he wasn't the one that was going. the church was being built on. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. So now I'm going to jump into Ephesians here. i got to move, man. i got to move. In Ephesians chapter 1, just listen. I don't know how much of this will be on the board. I don't even know what I sent them, to be totally honest with you. So in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and the might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but, in, but also in all that is to come. 
there again, speaking, not even the power of Hades can prevail against the power of Almighty Jesus. There is no power greater than His. Oh, big deal, Pastor, we all knew that. Okay, hang on. Verse 22. He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Christ is building the church. Guess what? That's us. Amen? Oh, big deal. Who didn't know that? Yeah, but look at this great news. Look at what it's saying here. His body. Now, now I'm not, I, you know, I, I may not, I'm not a doctor, you know. I, I'm not a doctor. I, I didn't even, I don't know, I didn't even like biology too much when I was in school. I wasn't all into that. But all I know is, if, if he's the head and I'm the body, and, and if I'm the body and he said all things are under his feet, guess what? They're under my feet. All things are under my... Why? I'm his body, he's the head, and all things have been put under his feet. Hallelujah! In Christ, all of those things can be put under our feet, if we believe, if we trust. See, now, this is the kind of preaching that everybody likes. You know, I could get... I I could really speak to you in a bunch of platitudes, and I could get really hyperbolic, and and, man, and I could speak to you, and and all of these... And 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 it's true. It is true. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. All of that is true. But here's part of the problem with that. When we go out into the real world and things start crumbling, things don't go right, we're looking at this scripture and we're, and we're, 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 we're Pastor Tony don't know what he's talking about. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I've tried it. I've stood on it. I thought that was true. But every darn time, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm getting there. I'm gaining ground. Something happens. Now, am I the only guy in this room? Come on. Come on. Man, I, 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 I do not like going to doctors. I do not. I just don't. I'm, if you, that's your thing, that's fine. And I'm not criticizing. Please hear me. Don't write me letters. Don't send me emails. I will not read them because I'm not saying that if you go to the doctor, you're in sin. I'm not saying if you take medicine, you're in sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying me, myself, not because I'm all this faithful guy and I'm you know, walking with Jesus and I'm walking on water. I'm not saying all of that. I'm just saying I don't like it. And if you're a doctor listening to me, I'm so sorry. But I just don't like it. I don't want to do it. So i got to do my best to stay prayed up. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord, I, you know, if I get sick, man, I better, Lord, I, you need to heal me because I really don't want to go to no doctor. And so my brother and sister, what am, what am I saying? Listen, here's what I'm saying. Divine health is real, but every once in a while, I get sick. Does that mean that I'm a sinner dog, not worthy of God? Absolutely not. Could it mean that maybe I took my eye off the prize? It could. Maybe God is getting my attention back focused on Him. Maybe I got too busy. Maybe this. Maybe I've been so busy I haven't been taking care of my body like the temple that it's supposed to be. I expect at least one amen from over there. (laughs) And all y'all laughing. We should have uh, an altar filled at the end of the service. But you understand what I'm trying to say. I know I'm I'm, I'm trying to keep your attention and all that, and I'm not trying to be irreverent at all. But do you understand what I'm saying? See, it's all well and good, and you guys, some of you, like me, have been raised up in the word of faith where you name it and claim it. And if if you're living right and your faith is up there, you know, you just say what you say and it's going to happen. That's not, it doesn't say that in there. And most of those people that do, that, that preach that, they don't live like that. 
They hide it. I'm not saying that there's none. I'm, Smith Wigglesworth was one of the most serious, sure enough, word of faith. I mean, he even had ailments. But man, when the fire came over him, I mean, there were stories of Smith Wigglesworth absolutely being, having some severe, I mean, having stones that were so bad he was bleeding. He got up in that pulpit and he preached it. Man, he was hurting when he before and he was hurting after, but he preached it. That man was so devout, he would be on a bus and he would break out and just, and just start apologizing to God. It's been this long, it's been a half hour since I've prayed to you. He would minister on the bus. He, everywhere he was, he was all about his father's business. Man, I will tell you, man, there are so many people who God is doing a lot of work through. Who the Spirit of God and there's an anointing of God on them. Who get sick once in a while. That doesn't nullify, number one, the anointing that God has on them. It doesn't nullify their salvation. It doesn't nullify the power of God working in them and through them. It doesn't nullify this Word of God. But sometimes things just happen. And sometimes it is where God wants me to get on my knees. I did not get on my knees enough. Or when I did, I didn't give Him my full attention. So now all of a sudden, He's going to allow. See, even Peter says, don't think it's strange when these fiery trials, when some stuff comes up against you. Sometimes He's just got to get my... And I'm glad He does. I'm glad He he lets me uh, suffer some things when it's time for me to go ahead. You know what that tells me? That tells me, my brothers and sisters, he still has his eye on me. He still wants me to get together with him. If I'm not spending enough time with him, he's going to let me know somehow, some way. Come on now. Now, you, well, Tony, God makes you sick. I didn't say God makes you sick. If you heard that, then you didn't hear me well. No, but it can happen. And when it does happen, the Lord turns it to something very good. The Lord is allowing it so something very good can come out of it. Now we can listen now, but we still have the final say so in that. See, I can I can get sick, or I can have bad negative circumstances in my life, and I can come up with a, a, a plan A, B, C, or D. But I should always the, the he has preeminence. Those of us who were together on Wednesday, Colossians, he is first. He has preeminence over everything. He is the king of everything. And he has preeminence in my life. He's first. He's number one. If I'm living my life that way, my brothers and sisters, whatever comes, passes. It came to pass. Amen? Whatever comes my way will pass. This trouble, it's only here for a little while. You know, it's, it's been 20 years. Doesn't matter. What's 20 years to compare to eternity? Hallelujah. See, I know because we're, we're humans and we're living in this finite thing. We're living in this bubble. And, and listen, I'm, I'm living in it too. But we've got to look at our lives in the light of eternity. We are forever. Amen? All right. So, man, what's, what's, what's the advantage? I'm, I'm, I just want to push on this just a little bit. So what's the advantage? So if some bad things happen to us, then, you know, why should we... What's the... Well, I just said it a minute ago. Eternity. We have a knowledge. We have... God has revealed eternity to us. 
oh, I can't tell you that, you know, what we see or what we read about in Revelation, uh, would, would you have a first century man trying to, to describe something he's seeing in the 21st century quite possibly, or pri- quite probably, I should say, when he's seeing that? I don't know. I can't always look and, and, and hear and read and just picture those things exactly what it would be like. I don't know that, you know, uh, it's not metaphorical when he says we're going to walk on streets of gold and there's going to be a crystal sea. And I, I don't know if, if those things are metaphorical or not. But, but, but here's what I do know. We will be in the presence of Jesus. Here's what I do know. For now we know in part, we see, but then face to face, that's what I do know. That's what I know. And that's enough. And that's enough. Amen? Amen. So let's look at our lives and even in these troubles and even in these, these challenges in the light of eternity. And in the light that somewhere... This, it's going to go away, and we're going to see him face to face. And there's not going to be any more te- tears. There will be no one, any more sickness or disease. There will be no more rat race and a bunch of rats running in it. Hallelujah. I'm going back to Ephesians now in uh, chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 19. I'm not sure if any of this is up there, so just mark it down. In verse 19, it says this, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In the spirit, so we're 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 being we're we're being built. We're we are the church. We're part of the church. Are, are you are you with me? And, and you know, I know the church is not about a building. See, I, that's why I I've got this illustration up here. You see that? You know, it's obviously a, a a simple depiction of a of a church. What a church might look like, but you see, all of the parts of the church are people, and that's us. We're the holy temple of God. We're the holy temple of God. But hey, you know what? I highlighted this and I I wish I would have given this to you. In verse 22, it says, You are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In the Spirit. See, my brothers and sisters, too many times we're living so much in so much of the, this earthly realm, this physical realm, uh, has our affections and has our time, has our attention that we forget. You know, the temple, we are a temple. We are a spiritual temple of God. We are a spirit. God built us as spiritual beings. And the church that he's building is spiritual. And you're part of that. We got to grasp that. We got to understand that. I'm going to jump to 1 Corinthians now. A lot of this will be up there for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Let me pause there, give some context. Now we know that the Holy Spirit here is speaking through the Apostle Paul, who started the church, who you know, was the one who is the father of the church at Corinth. Right? So he ministered to them. And you see what he's saying here. He said, I've, I'm the, I was, a, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. What do you think that that foundation was? Jesus. He, he taught them, he preached to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. Be careful, 
be careful how you build. For no other foundation can be laid than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. In case you thought I was wrong or making that up. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clearer. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. See, my brothers and sisters, so look, see what... We know many of us have been in the Word for a long time. We know that you know, this trial by fire, it's speaking about these works that we do, these things that we do. You know, if they're all according to the flesh, if they're our own works, if they're things that we do for our own gain, if it's not things that God has called us to, that is the wood, hay, the stubble. That's just going to get burned up. But those things that are precious, my brothers and sisters, those are the things that God has called us to do, these spiritual things that God has called us to do each as members of his body, his church. And those things, see, this is, this, is a, this is so neat because you have, each of us are temples of the Holy Spirit. So in effect, we are each of us a church or a temple. But then together, as his body, the church, we make up the, the church at large, the bigger church, right? So he takes a bunch of little stones, lively stones, little churches, puts them together, and he's continuing to make his Big church. Hallelujah. See, but see, like Paul, you know, he ministers that, you know, the foundation. Uh, he's, I'm going to read to you just a little bit of context. Above what he said here, he's talking about Paul uh, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave each one. I planted Apollo's waters, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. See, my brothers and sisters, as different parts, let let me pause here. I I won't speak my heart. Whenever I speak like this, and especially I know that there are many people in this room and certainly many people who are listening, it's a very rudimentary thing. And I get concerned about that sometimes, but I've got to give it to you how God has given it to me. I had something totally different planned, but I'm just telling you. I think that if everyone was doing their part and not worried so much about what the other guy was doing, what our part actually is, I think that we would be a lot more successful. I'm going to share something with you. I didn't know whether this was for this week or next week, but I'm going to share Something caught my eye. And this is, uh, I'm going to read to you a little bit. Please don't get bored. Hear me. This is important. There's uh, an article in The Economist. It was uh, written, or it was posted at least, May 23rd, uh, just a few days ago. The, The headline caught my eye, so I had to read it. The headline said this, Sunday slump, and then a under headline, the virus is accelerating de-churching in America. Now, it's no big secret. We've talked about it from this pulpit, and many of you know you didn't even need for me to say anything to you. I mean, there have been many uh, Pew Research, Barna studies. Man, the, the church in America, Christian church in America, is on the decline. So, but this, the virus is accelerating de-churching in America. It, it, it's obvious. Uh, many of us ministers, or at least I could say some of us ministers in the area, uh, are dis- have gotten together discussing and and sharing with what uh, with each other what God is is bumping us about, um, knowing that uh, things will never be the same, um, and some think that it's a good thing, but I don't. 
I think that it's, I, I think that, again, I think that it's not going to be the same because I think that there's a shaking that's going on. I really do believe this. And the good thing, the bad thing is, I think that uh, there are going to be people who uh, will never come back to the church, as it were, maybe, and as it says in Scripture, many of them never were in it in the first place. And I'm not saying that lightly, and I'm not saying that trying to point fingers at anybody or, or in any because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. See, th- this is God's heart. For God so loved the God is not willing that any should perish. Okay? But the fact and the reality is that it's, it's, it's not love unless we have a choice. God chose to love us. And then he made it so that we choose or we love him back. Not because he makes us, but just that we see his love evidenced in Christ. And then we come to him willingly out of love. So my brothers and sisters, it's not with glee or in any kind of, you know, boastful pride that I would say these things, but it's a shame and it, and it hurts my heart. And in days and weeks and, and whatever the Lord allows us ahead, my hope is that those of us who remain and those of us who are part of this specific body, you know, we can strategize and we can go ahead and mobilize ourselves together as God has put people in your atmosphere, as God has put people around you, what we can do as a body, as a group to help you, whether it be financial, whether it be, you know, um, uh, material, wh- whatever it is, you know, that's in the, in the days and the weeks ahead, that's, that's my goal as a minister of the gospel. That's my, my goal as a pastor is so that we can, you know, add to the flock. But again, you're part of the body and you're a very instrumental tool a piece of equipment, a very specific part of the body. And if the Lord allows, we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But uh, this, this is the p- just bits and pieces. The COVID-19 pandemic has hammered churches of all sizes, denominations across America, most even those that had encouraged their members to shell out online uh, before the pandemic have, been, have seen their incomes plunge. Many do not have sufficient cash reserves to tie them over for more than a few months. And reopening is unlikely to bring the relief that it, will, uh, that it will to other parts of the economy. In many churches, the majority of worshipers are old. If a vaccine is not developed soon or is less effective in the elderly, many may be reluctant to go back to church in the future. The result could be a significant reduction in the number of churches in America. David Kinneman, the president of Barna Group, an evangelical research outfit, reckons that this may, uh, this, that as many as one in five churches and one in three mainline ones could close for good within the next 18 months. Do you, do you hear that? This would represent a rapid acceleration of a long-term decline in American re- religiosity. Their word, not mine. Though the process of secularization has been slower to take hold in America than in other parts of the rich world, it is now well underway. According to Pew Research, the share of Americans who say they attend religious services at least once or twice a month has dropped by seven points over the past decade to 45%. The share who go to church every Sunday is a lot lower. Some pollsters put it at 20%. 20%. And I'll guarantee you that that's inflated just a little bit. I'm going to skip ahead. Big churches can also find themselves suddenly close to the edge. Many have been um, walloped by the closure of their peripheral businesses like preschools, some mega churches with big running costs 
are heavily mortgaged. It seemed likely that among the small minority of churches that defied orders to close, some were driven by financial considerations as much as religious liberty ones. Do you see that? Now, I don't know if this person who's writing this is a Christian or not, and it doesn't really matter. But, but I want you to think about what that line just said. The churches had to open based on finances. Did, did you hear that? That's reality. And I'm not criticizing any church. But isn't it, isn't it bad that it comes to that? You see what I mean? Isn't it bad that it comes to that? Do you, I, I, I feel in my heart when I make this statement, this is Tony, I'm not saying this is the Holy Ghost, I feel in my heart, I don't believe that that's the way God intended it to be. Which churches will escape unscathed from the pandemic? Small congregations, despite their immediate vulnerability, may prove more robust. Many already have part-time pastors <laughs> and are <laughs> less likely to be attached to a particular space. If we're leasing... <laughs> Mark Chavez, professor of Scientology, uh, Scien, Scientology, Religion and Divinity at Duke University, reckons that the multi-site churches which have pioneered the use of video sermons broadcast in different church buildings will also lose fewer members and their cash. Again, isn't that a shame that it has to be that way? Now, what's, now I'm going to pause there for a moment. Again, my goal here, my brothers and sisters, is not to pick apart other ministries, other churches. So please hear, hear my heart. That's not what this is about. My, my, my point though is, if church is just about that, then we've missed it. We've missed it. Because we've been called to come together as a body. We, we've been called to come together and minister to one another. I was taken back and I didn't give it to you if the Lord allows next week. How many times it says in scripture, church in the house. This one, church in the house of Church in the house. There were, there were the churches that were in the house. It had nothing to do with the building, the temple. We know that the apostles early on specifically went in and they were preaching on Solomon's porch. We know that they would go to the temple and they would preach out in the open on these porches, on these terraces. We know Paul, he, his, it was his custom. He went into the synagogues. When he entered a new town, the first thing he did was try to minister to the Jewish people or the Jewish proselytes, anybody. He would go in and he'd preach in the synagogue but they would end up in houses and there were church houses. I'm sorry, there were churches in the houses. But it's come to this big business thing, this big model thing. I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm not saying that in and of themselves it's wrong. I'm just saying these are the things that we're subject, then we become subject to that and we're vulnerable to certain issues. Amen? I, we, we, don't, we don't want to be that. That's not what we're called to. Despite the growth of such outfits, they do not yet provide most American Christians with religious comfort. This is speaking out of those that are being piped in to other places. Though a majority of churches have moved services online, many report failing, listen to this, falling levels of engagement. So that means even people who are listening online are not listening regularly. That's starting to decline. The longer parishioners endure a weekly struggle with tech, and fail to attain the sense of connection that took them to church in the first place, the, the likelier they will be to give up the whole thing as a mess. See, I, and, and we have a little bit of experience with this. I mean, as small as we are, we, ha- we do have hundreds of people that listen. But I, I know that I've, we've heard some, from some people close and local, man, it's so hard. How do you get on? What do you, you know, they have technical difficulties, and it's a little bit frustrating. So that's what that last line in that spoke to. 
Now, I know that I've bored some of you to tears, and I know you're quiet and all this other stuff, but do you understand what the Lord is... That's not church. That's, That's not... You're church. We're church. Christ in you, His body... We are His body. We are His hands, His feet. He's gifted each of us to do things. Together we come together and we strengthen each other. When, Come on. Yeah, we've been in touch with people. We're texting and, and we're calling. And, you know, it, but it's, it's difficult. It's not the same. I want to see somebody face to face. I want to be able to look in their eyes and, and, and on the phone when they're telling me everything's okay and in my heart, I don't think it's okay. I want to, I want to see them. I want to, I want to be able to even just look in their eyes, have them look at me and have them know that I care about you. What can we do to help you? I can't do that online. I can't do that over a phone. I can't do that text or email. We have to get together. We're His church. We're His body. We're His... Hallelujah. But Jesus is going to add to the church. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, they're saying that the church is... And, I, and it is. The numbers of people that are going to church... But His church... is going to swell. There's going to be revival because it will be the believers. It will be the contenders and not the pretenders. There will be a revival. First Corinthians now in uh, chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building according to the grace that God, which is given to me as wise master builder, that have laid the foundation where we were, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds, for no other foundation can be laid than that which has been laid, Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, or straw, rather, each one's work will become more clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Again, my brothers and sisters, I know we've read this, but here's the deal. If, if I'm simply working according to convenience, if I'm simply saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to call somebody, I'll text somebody, all of that is good, we need to do it. But it's, if I'm doing the things that make me feel comfortable, the things that I'm comfortable with, it's, it's not about that. It's, it's about, God, what would you have me to do? Because the things that I do that I'm comfortable with, that might be the wood, hay, straw. That, that might burn. Sometimes the things that he's called... See, there are people that you can touch that I'll never be able to touch. There are people that are... But see, you're a little bit shy. You don't want to tell them how serious you are about Christ because you think that you know, maybe they'll, they'll shun you. Maybe you're a little bit embarrassed or, or maybe you just don't want to be to them a fanatic. My brothers and sisters, that is wrong, wrong, wrong because you are going to be able to reach people that I can't reach. You're going to be able to share the Word of God with people that I will never be able to share the, the Word of God with. That's the work that He's called you to. But, but, but there's more to it than that. Let me go ahead and continue real fast. Uh, who then is Paul? And Apollo, I've, I've already given you that. I apologize. <clears throat> the Lord, I want to read this to you. The Lord will add to the church daily such as are being saved. See, when we do the right work, when we do the things that we're called to do, this is where I want to be. When we're doing those things, the precious things, the hard things, the things that maybe just take us out of our comfort zone, that's when the Lord will add to the church daily. When I was, I, this, was the, this is what really st- stuck with me today. This is because I wasn't planning this, and that's what really turned the notes upside down, and that's what got me really discombobulated. But I'm going to go with it. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're doing. 
Remember in Acts, the early church, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're on fire. This is after Pentecost. They're on fire. You know, Peter's already been arrested and John have already been arrested one time. And so I'm going to begin in uh, verse 32. Just hear me, please, in verse 32 of chapter 4. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, neither did anyone say any of those things he possessed with his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Let me hearken back, my brothers and sisters, remember on the Easter message. It's really difficult to be a, a, a church that's on the move. It's really difficult to be a building church, to be His hands, to be His feet, to be His body, when you don't even preach or teach that the Jesus that went into the grave, that body came out of the grave. One of the foundations that they preached, one of the things that, was the earth, that, that meant everything was that that body came out of the grave alive. My brothers and sisters, if we do not believe that, we cannot be born again. We must believe it. No, not that he was just you know spiritually resurrected. That body that went in came out. I'm not going to preach the Easter message again. 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land, houses, they sold everything, brought proceeds that, that of the things that they, were, that they sold. And it talks about Barnabas. And they gave, the apostles gave him the name, the son of encouragement. My brothers and sisters, then we roll right into chapter 5. A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold possession. They kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also, being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land you, yourself? While it remained, it, it wasn't your own? After it was sold, was it not your own, in, in your own control? Why have you uh, conceived this thing in your heart and have lied to, not to men but to God? Listen, is there anyone in this room that is not familiar with that story? So if I paraphrase this, you're going to believe. So we know what happened. Because he lied to the Holy Spirit, God took him out. Peter, God took him right out. And then when his wife, Sapphira, came back, he, he, Peter does the same thing. He, he, he questions her and says, you know, the same men that just buried your husband are going to bury you. She dropped dead. I'm thinking, Wow! Wow! That's a loving, kind, merciful God. Yeah, He loves me so much. He knew, my brothers and sisters, that if He let that be part of His body, if He let that be part of His church early on, who knows what would have happened by now? If the early church that's built on the foundation of the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, if He allowed them to be building on that life... Hey, y'all don't know this. Well, some of you do. My father was a construction worker. He was a really good mason. He led a crew. They built houses and all this other stuff. I used to go to work with him a lot. And I remember just specifically, it stands out like a sore thumb, even in my mind, and when I was thinking about this message, I remember one day um, they were building this house. It was a pretty big house. And it was on Loomis Street in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Remember it like it was yesterday, see? Sharp as a tack. So anyway... So he's got one guy on one corner and, and, and he's on the other corner. So they've got to set up these corners. The foundation, he's got everything marked out. My father was the, uh, was the uh, leader, was the foreman on the job. So my father's got everything laid out. He's, the foundation's right. He's got everything laid out. And so he says, okay, foundation's true. 
Um, he starts laying out the measurements. So he has, he's on one side and other guy's on the other side. And so they got to put up these corners. It's a two, three-story uh, building. So now he says to the guy that is working on the other corner, he says, you follow these marks and blah, blah, blah. So my father's on the one side and he's throwing his, and then he's got, they got guys in the middle. So the guys in the middle are laying the block according to these corners. They got to f- follow this line. So I just know that after a few of the courses were going up, my father was not happy. Something was happening. And so he went and he, uh, he's, he double-checked his. He's looking at his. He goes to the other corner and he puts a level on it, puts a ruler on it, puts the level on this side. And I saw my father get very angry. <laughs> and I saw my father, listen, put his level down. He gave that man what for and he kicked that corner down. He destroyed that corner. He took down all of that block that was laid. He took it down. Why? It wasn't true. And so now you're starting off, you're building something and you're, and you're, and you're hoping to build it up. What happens when you get half? It's not going to stay up. It's not going to, it can't stand. Come on now. So, so when I'm looking at that, I'm, I, this makes total sense to me. Well, well what they, they, so they, listen, Peter calls him in. He has the chance now to confess. He didn't confess. And here's the other thing. They weren't required to do it. Nowhere in that scripture does it say that they were required to do it. He did it because he wanted to be somebody. He did it because he wanted probably to be noticed. He did it because he saw everybody else doing it and maybe he got caught up in the moment or something and he's acting according to his own flesh. He's acting according to his own pride. He's acting according to his own ego and then he goes and he pledges something and he does not follow through with it. Flesh! Flesh! can't stand. Why? We can't build this church. We can't build this body. cannot be built on lies. It can't be built on pride. It can't be built on ego. It has to, this is a spiritual house. It has to be true. It has to be right. Come on. Somebody's got to be bold enough to stand. Somebody's got to be bold enough to say it. Somebody's got to be bold enough to be unpopular. Somebody's got to be bold enough to maybe even sacrifice some wealth. Somebody's got to be bold enough to go ahead and say, okay, it might hurt my finances, but I'm standing for truth. I am part of His body. I cannot, go, I cannot let this lie be part of my life. I can't let my ego get in the way. I can't let my own human emotions get in the way. Yeah, but this one's not going to like me. Or, oh, well, fooey on them. I'm going to be kind to them anyway. That's just what God called me to do. I'm going to win them over because I am true. I'm going to win them over. I'm going to win them over because I am faithful. I'm going to win them over because I am lifting up Jesus. Hallelujah. And if I don't, guess what? When I stand before God, all my work will be burned and become more pure. Anybody else's work, that work that I tried to help somebody with is going to be like wood, hay, and straw. It will be burned up. And I will not be gleeful about it. The church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Do you, did anybody hear? I got to tell you. I'm on Thursday, I had a prayer meeting, went to the prayer meeting. But before the prayer meeting, I hear about this church in Mississippi that get bur- burned down. 
it burned down because there were people that didn't like the idea that they refused to, you know, they closed down. They, they met anyway, but they were trying to adhere to, you know, social distancing and stuff. So somebody burned the church down, and they wrote in the parking lot, I guess you'll stay home now, hypocrites. They wrote that on the ground in the parking lot at the front of the church. The church burned down. They burned the church down. These things are happening in a lot of places. You're not hearing a bunch of it, but you're going to hear some of it. Here's what you will hear in the news. You'll hear more about the churches who are refusing to do that and how much they're putting their people in jeopardy. Or if somebody happens to get COVID-19 that attended a church, guaranteed you're going to hear about it. May not have had anything to do with the church, but the time they get done speaking about it, it'll be all the church's fault. Bring it. I'm telling you, we are in the middle of something. We are in the middle of what God prophesied to us in 2012. It's happening now. So what are we going to do about it? We are going to be His hands. We are going to be His feet. We are going to be part of the building, not part of the tearing down. Hallelujah! We are the, we're, we're the contenders. We're going to be among the contenders. We're not the pretenders. Jesus first. Jesus only. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So now let's go back to the foundational Scripture here, one of them in First Peter. Coming to Him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also living stones are living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. See, we're these living stones and we're coming together. We're coming together and we're offering spiritual sacrifices. Yes, do we give tithes and offerings and do we do that? Yes, we do. We, we do. We're called to do that. We'll continue to do that. And that is spiritual. Unless. Uh-oh. Unless. You're going in there and you're saying, God, I'm giving you this. What am I getting back? Now, some of you don't. There's that mentality. Because that's how it's been taught. I'm giving you this. God does not need your... He doesn't need our protection money. See, Malachi, he'll rebuke the devourer for... Well, I'm going to put that in there because I want him to rebuke the devil for me. I'm going to put... Don't even bother. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be ugly. How can I be ugly? Come on. No, I'm not trying to be funny uh, and I'm not trying... But listen to me. It wasn't that funny. But listen, listen. God does not need our protection money. That, that, would be, that would be an insult. No, he wants us to give spiritual sacrifices. Here's, a, here's what it, God, I don't have a lot of money. God, there's a bill coming, and I don't know what, how I'm going to pay it, but here's what I do know. The first tenth of everything I got belongs to you. It's not even mine to have, so I'm giving that to you. I don't know how that bill's going to be paid, but Lord, I'm just trusting you. I'm just trusting you. It is what it is, Lord. I don't even own this. It's yours. I don't, I don't even know why. I, I don't even know why I even think about it. I don't even know why I'm giving it a second thought. No. Or, 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 or the woman. Remember the woman who gave two pennies? She gave out of what she needed. She didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of what she needed. She needed that for her livelihood. But she gave. Why? Because her heart was convicted. Because she felt that maybe she could help somebody else. Come on. See, that's, that's, that's giving spiritual sacrifices. 
That's giving spiritual sacrifices. I'm going to give out of my need. I'm not going to give out of my extra. I'm going to give out of my need. I'm going to give. You know what? Yeah, I don't have any time. I have no time. But so-and-so you know, needs some help. I'm going to go help them. I don't know how I'm going to fit it in, but we're just going to make it work. God, you owe me. Remember what I did? Don't even do it. Come on. I'm not trying to be funny, but you know, humans, that's how we think. Come on. I'm owed something. No, you're not owed anything. You were owed hell. But because He loved you, He went ahead and prevented that from happening by giving Himself on the cross. And so my brothers and sisters, if I truly believe in Him, and I truly love Him, and He truly is preeminent, then my life doesn't belong to me anyway. My life does not belong to me anyway. It belongs to Him. So I might as well go ahead and do what He's asking me to do. Hallelujah. I can't help it. Here we go. One more and then we'll go. It's the Lord lesson. In Hebrews chapter 12, which we've been in quite a bit, we've been in 10 and 12, I want you to hear this. And if you're listening, and if you're young, if you're old, it doesn't matter, but I I really want to make sure that the young people are hearing me. That's why I get dressed up in this silly stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I want you to remember. Will you remember what the sermon was because I got dressed up in silly stuff. I mean, I'm trying to make you remember. I'm trying to get you to think. I'm trying to get you to um, remember. Remember anything that, that the Lord puts on your heart today. In Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven who are registered in heaven, if you are part of His body, your citizenship is in heaven. You're not going to get checked at the gate to see your papers and see your ID. You're already there. You're already there. You are registered. You are a citizen of heaven. If you're part of His body, you're part of His church, my brothers and sisters, you are... It's spiritual. Yeah, we're occupying planet Earth. Yeah, you know, my, my spirit and soul are in this, this clay pot. But this clay pot is fixing to change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even so. Amen? Amen. My brothers and sisters, in the days, weeks, however long we have ahead, man, I, I want... I, I'm just praying that the Lord will bring people forth that will join shoulder to shoulder with Michelle and I. Some of you already have, and I appreciate it, but that will join shoulder to shoulder with us, that we will be His church, that we will be living stones, and that we will be doing the work as part of His body to add to the body. Amen? If that's you, praise the Lord. If that's you and you're not in this vicinity, get to a local church. Find one that's open. Make sure they're preaching the truth. Man, be a part of God's work. Yeah, but you said He's doing work. Yeah, He's adding to the church. You're His, you're his equipment. You're His tool. Amen? All right, stand with me, please, if you can. Great God, glorious Jesus in heaven, we love You. And we thank You, Lord, for, for speaking to us, for speaking to our hearts speaking to our uh, speaking some something in us lord that holy spirit you will draw from uh, 
I, it has to be more than just words, God. It, it has to be. You, you, Jesus, you said your words are spirit and life. So, so, Lord, I pray that this message, that these words, Father, would bring new life to those who have heard. Father, that we would have a, a more grace, that grace would be multiplied. And, Father, that we would have different wisdom, knowledge, understanding greater, that we may walk according to the purpose and the plan that you've called us to. Father, I pray that you would touch young people that are hearing me, maybe for the first time or maybe not. But, Father, I pray that you would minister to the young people. Father, that you would, not, that you would let them know beyond any shadow of any doubt that you love them and that you have a plan for their life. And if they're sequestered, if they're quarantined, if they're not able to see their friends or they're, they're depressed because they can't go to school or, or different things are happening and it's got them all discombobulated, Lord God, I pray that you administer your word to their hearts even now. Father, in Jesus' name, please, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You cannot have these young people. The Lord rebuke you. Hallelujah. Lord God, have your way. Lord God, Lord God, just let their hearts receive you. Soften their hearts, Father. Father, minister to them where they are. Father, minister to these young people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. He has a plan for you. And so, Father, even so, there are many people during this time that are feeling lonely. Father, that are shut in and shut out. Father, I pray that somehow, some way, you could do it. You can do all things. So, Lord, I pray that even now, as they hear these words, they will feel your arms wrapped around them. That the, the loneliness will lose its sting. Father, that they will no longer feel lonely. Father, we break this bond, this yoke of depression, this, this yoke of loneliness, Father, in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would call your servants that are near those people who are lonely, that you would give them unction, Holy Spirit, that you would give them unction, that they will be your hands, that they will be your feet, Jesus, your church, and you will cause them to minister to the lonely and to the shut-ins. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Father, in Jesus' name, lead, guide, and direct. We belong to you. Father, while we're in this attitude of, of prayer, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Father, I lift up the churches. I lift up my brothers. Father, all my, the fellow ministers that, that I know in this area that have met together, that have spoken together, I pray, Father, that you would continue to lead, guide, and direct them. Father, that again, they would be mobilized. Father, that they would not care what anybody thinks. Father, that they would not even care about congregations, boards, as it relates to whether they should open or not. They go by your will. They follow your will. They're your hands. They're your feet. In Jesus' name, give us all the unction. Give us all the power. Give us all the motivation, Holy Spirit. And we pray for those in government. Father, we lift up our leaders to you. Whether it be the president, whether it be governors, Father, we pray for those who are in power, those who are making decisions. Father, seemingly there are those who have taken this to be an opportunity to force their will. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift all of them up to you and ask that, Father, you would minister to their hearts.
and that your will be done. Father, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I don't want to just dismiss. Uh, if we're going to sing a little bit, and if you want to stay and sing with us, that would be great. For those of you who are listening, I just want you to know that we love you. We're praying for you as well. And if there are any of you listening who have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, please, please, it's, it, it's not complicated. All you need to do is acknowledge what He did on the cross. Acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you want to go a different way. You want to go His way. If you will pray a prayer, trust yourself to Him and repent, you will be saved. We pray for you as well. In Jesus' name.